All right, welcome back to the Render Bar. Today's episode is titled The Art of Lunch. Uh, that's the interpersonal communication in the workplace, the times of bonding with your coworkers, getting to know each other. Um, this episode is definitely not about making sandwiches, although we can totally talk about that later. You know, a lot goes into forming relationships with your coworkers, the chit-chat, the coffee talk, the hanging out in the kitchen, getting to know one another. Um, you know, and the lunch break is a big part of it. So today, that's what we're going to talk about. Uh, my name is Steve Jacks, and with me, I have Erica Robbins. Hello. And Richard Sanchez. Hi. And I want to know your go-to lunch by the end of this episode, so keep that in mind. So let's start with something like cutting room communication. What are, uh, Richard, what are some positive and negative communication techniques that you've experienced in the past? The the, the thing I, I think about is, is I mean, it, it generally comes down to reading the room, but, you know, I've found that it's, you know... Um, as far as far as uh, cutting room communication, especially if we were talking about criticizing cuts, you know, I found some people uh, you have to soften the blow before you go into it. And uh, one of one of the biggest lessons I took was uh, I worked for this editor once, and he was a very good editor and very confident in his own cuts. And it was kind of interesting to see how he would almost wretch when I would give him compliments. He didn't want to hear what worked. He really wanted me to tear apart his cut. Uh, and so it was really interesting to like, like, oh, I really like this. Oh, yeah, that, that's cool. But, but what, what didn't work? Oh, okay, well, let me, you know, and, and sometimes that's an uncomfortable thing. It's like, oh, okay, do you want me to, you really want me to nickel and dime your cut? That's, I'll do it, you know? Yeah. Eric, what about you? Yeah, definitely reading the room. I, that's, one of the biggest things, but also just I, being an open and approachable person, just kind of like trying to be honest and just keeping everybody like, it's very helpful for me working with people who are interested in keeping everybody in the loop and getting ahead of problems and be, just being, you know, kind of a agreeable person in general is uh, usually pretty helpful. <laughs> Yeah, that really goes a long way when you're able to kind of be approachable and kind of easily get along with people, it makes people want to yeah. talk to you and even um, be able to just, uh, especially when it comes to the downtime, to want to just pop in your room and say hello or um, yeah. Things, like, yeah. things like that. Just, just be friendly, you know, like even if, even if you don't always have to be talking work, you know, just say hello before you dive into the nitty gritty of what's yeah. happening. <laughs> I've certainly had experiences where, my, you know, an editor only comes in to talk shop and only it's right straight to the work. You know, mm -hmm. it's not even a good morning. How was your how was your day or how was your night? It's straight to the work talk, you know, um, and something that happens to me. I notice sometimes in uncertain jobs I've had where you're sitting down for lunch, but uh, you you want to not talk about work. But certain people only can talk about work. You know, and we'll get to that in a little a little later. But um, those are things I've noticed that whenever you are able to um, just have that little chit chat, get to know each other um, in those little moments, I think is really important. And especially as we, you know, we work with these people, you work, we work with each other, uh, you know, 10, 12, maybe 14 hours a day, a lot more than our families. So it's really important to be able to have that uh, positive communication. Um, to keep things light and to keep things moving, I think. Um, so how have you guys experienced um, giving and receiving criticism when it yeah. comes to like, say, sorry, when it comes to say like uh, 
uh, maybe you're asked to watch watch down something or, or, or comment on a cut or comment on uh, some piece of work that someone else is asking you to give your thoughts on? You know, from my perspective, that was kind of one of the things that I learned early on, uh, only because, again, it, it does partially go back to reading the room. But one of my early experiences was I thought I would be forthcoming in, you know, in just sharing sharing my thoughts on a cut, you know, and I definitely learned early on, not everyone likes candor. Uh, you know, I mean, uh, where in, in a field where candor should be absolutely imperative, we should be able to discuss what is affecting us and what isn't affecting us. Not everyone is open to that. And, you know, in some cutting rooms, there is a very distinct line of, uh, of hierarchy, you know, where, you know, of course, the director and the editor, they're working in tandem, they're working very closely. And, you know, and um, maybe they welcome all suggestions, and some truly don't. And, you know, knowing when they're when, when you are invited to speak, because sometimes it is, you know, like, I find for me, oftentimes, you go into the room, and maybe you're not expecting to be asked an opinion, I find I get very much uh, locked into this idea of they're calling me in because they want me to do something, they're going to say, Richard, I need you to export this cut, I need you to do a comp. But then when they sit me down and say, watch this and tell me what you think, you're like, oh, it's almost like I need to activate a different part of my brain because I'm mm -hmm. mentally preparing for something different. And then that is, you know, then it's, it can also become a really interesting political, uh, game to where if your editor and your director are perhaps having a disagreement and one is on one camp and one is in another camp, they're effectively calling you in to be a tiebreaker. And sometimes you don't actually know what, you know, what the game is, you know, and I've, I've, I always find I try to like, look, look for uh, nonverbal cues to go like, let me just let me just be aware of what is being asked here. Because sometimes what is actually being asked is not what is being verbalized, you know, 100%. You know, yeah, yeah, that, yeah, like, tell me what you want to hear. Because I'm not really sure how to answer that question, but sometimes being being honest in that moment can be really helpful. I think mm -hmm. so many times where we're I've had that same experience, Richard. Where, hey, come in here real quick, and you're thinking, I got my pad and paper, I'm ready to do a task, whatever you need, I'll help you out. And then you get in there, like, oh, watch watch this cut. What do you think? I'm like, right, change the brain hat, like take take off the hat, put on a new one. But sometimes it's healthy to just say, you know, give me give me a minute, or you know, let me reframe my mind to be in the right, let me be in the right mm -hmm. mind space to mm -hmm. give you the right criticism that you're looking for. Um, cause that can take a moment to switch gears there. Yeah. Yeah. And you want to be thinking about that too, because when you, when you're being asked for, to give criticism on something, it's generally, I find helpful to not just be like, here's what's wrong with it, but maybe have like some kind of like solution or, you know, some, something helpful to, to give in, in, in the criticism, if yeah, that you makes wanna, sense. You, yeah, you want to feel like you're actually uh, providing them good feedback. Yeah. And you kind of want to sound, you want to feel like you are someone who can give good feedback. Yeah, and can and, be helpful and not just pointing out 
all the problems. <laughs> yeah. Or, or have you ever been in the situation where they ask you to watch two different versions of one scene and because you're approaching it fresh, you don't know that the only difference is two shots and because they've been scrutinizing these two shots to death, to them it's the biggest thing in the world and I always hate going... <laughs> I don't know what the difference was. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's <laughs> definitely happened to me. <laughs> and then can you, you, have you, and Erica, and that, and that example or that memory you're having, is that something where you felt like um, you were afraid to be honest about that? Um, about saying like, I don't know the difference. Cause I certainly have been in that position where I'm like, I don't, I guess in the scenarios I've been in, it, it was not so in, like I I was in a place where I felt like I could be honest and be like I don't see a difference okay. between those two. I'm well, that's sorry. good. That's good. <laughs> but I but think, I mean I, I could definitely see it being that being a little more intimidating depending on who was asking you. But I think there's also something freeing about knowing how your honesty, even if your honesty is illuminating the fact that it didn't make a difference, is important because then That's it can true. turn it like you've been harping on this and you know, you showed me these two differences and I say it really didn't make a critical difference to me. So if if you want to do it, do it. But if if the issue is, does it change the story? I mean, that's a valid answer as well. But I, I oh, it's easy to fall into the trap of like, I'm going to sound stupid if I tell them there's no difference. But the fact of the matter is that can be something they need to hear is like, yeah, you can spend another two days working on these two shots. I, you could probably spend those better. Yeah. yeah. Well, the truth is most most people watching it aren't going to be watching this dailies over and over again. They're going to see it for the first time. And if, mm -hmm. if you're seeing it for the first time and you don't see a difference, that's going to be most people's reaction. And that's you know. a good point because at the audience, it's you're kind of the audience in that moment, seeing it for the first time that one time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I know I've had so many t moments where I'm in my head too much. I'm in this, mm -hmm. they asked me, I'm, I'm being asked to come in the room and I wasn't really prepared mentally to be watching a cut. And so now I'm in my head about, oh, I got to have a good answer and I want to sound smart. But I've learned over all these years that it's almost better to be honest that you don't see a difference or you're not really mm -hmm. sure yet. I need to watch it again and be open to saying, hey, can I watch that one more time? Well, and, and I think you've also hit the nail on the head too, when you say like, I want to sound smart, which is a trap in and of itself, because it's like, anytime you try to sound smart, you're going to not, it's yeah. just like, I think <laughs> like honesty is so much more important. That you is know? so true. Like it's, oh, this was a non-diagetic sound, which oh reminded me the third, and you're like, yeah, you sound like a really awful film student. I have uh, an example of. There's a there's a podcast I listen to that uh, I've I've written in I've emailed them a few times uh, just to you know it's a movie review podcast and I like them a lot and I, I you know say oh yeah I love that episode you said you you talked about and I had my thoughts on this and I recall specifically an email that I wrote and this isn't even a work thing this is that's how bad this is for me <laughs> that I was so in my head about it I have to sound like a smart film uh, uh, cinephile so I have to like list these specific uh, film directors that sound really class to make me sound really classy. And they read it on the, on the, on the podcast. I'm like, Oh, I sound like a douchebag. <laughs> <laughs> I sound too full of myself. Uh, so I've definitely had those moments where you're, you're thinking, you're, you're, you're thinking too much, you know, I would even argue that even doing this right now on the podcast, it's like, I'm, I'm a bit in my head. I can be in my head too much and not be just in the flow, in the flow and just being and doing what we are, which is a big, good metaphor for being in the cutting room when you're working you you're trying to feel on and look your best and sound your best 
but just be yourself and be, you know, be honest that, you know, oh, I don't really know how to answer that question right now. Well, it's like, you know, like the, the, the challenge of trying to be in the moment and, you know, it's like, there's a million reasons, like everything about editing, you know, you want it to be intentional and, and provocative, but you know, that can also be a trap because it's like, yeah, well now you're going to spend 45 minutes just going this shot or this shot, this shot, or just, just, and I, I yeah. loved, there was this great bit of advice that Eddie Hamilton used to give where he talked about just, just cut it, just put it in the timeline and move on. You can fix it later. And I, I, I always I always love that because I found like when I would cut my own short projects, I would just have an anxiety attack looking at my bin of dailies and then I'd start cutting things together and I'd go, hmm, they're they're working pretty decently. And it's like and if it bothers you in a week, then then swap it out. And but yeah. if it doesn't, you're like, well, well, I guess maybe my instincts are good and that's like a confidence booster. Mm-hmm. It's funny. It's funny, like, uh, that we're talking about, you know, the title of this podcast being the art of lunch, and we really aren't even talking about lunch yet. But all of this has to do with the communication. And when you don't get that moment to sit and talk during lunchtime, you don't really get the chance to get to know your peers as people. Because right mm -hmm. now, we're, we've been talking a lot about an editor asking you to come in the room and, and, and give you, uh, ask for critique or, or, or your thoughts on a cut or something else like that. And that's all work mode, you know. And so part of this is to discuss how we can actually get to know each other in the downtimes as well. And that the more you do, the more you're open to that, the more you're able to be more uh, in the moment in the in the cutting room when they are asking you your feedback because by then you are starting to get to know each other better and it isn't like oh, i gotta look good or i don't want to say the wrong thing because now it's you're just two people you know who've who've been having you know salads a lot every day and talking about the weather and the news and pop culture and topics like that um so you know it's great to voice our opinions and show that kind of uh gumption but what about the times uh whenever you need to keep your mouth shut Erica, have you ever had a moment when you were like, ah, I need to keep my lid, keep a lid on it right now. I really shouldn't say anything. Um, you know, I, I tend to be a, a more quiet person and I do a lot of listening. So I, this doesn't, it doesn't happen to me very often. I, I, uh, there is a time like early, early on in my career when I, I noticed something in the cut that, that I was like, was like factually inaccurate. And I, mentioned like I didn't you know I just mentioned it to the AE and I was like oh I just noticed this was like I'm gonna let him bump it up the line and I just kept noticing that like it wasn't getting addressed over time and so I maybe brought it up a few too many times and I kind of got a talking to about like you know sometimes it's not your show like you just gotta like just let it go so I've definitely like now gotten to the point where I'm like okay I bring it up once to whoever is appropriate to bring it up to let them decide if they want to bump it up the chain. And if they don't, that's, I'm sure there's a reason for that, but it's definitely a lesson you have to learn of when to like, like definitely there are things that you should mention sometimes, but mention it once and then let it go. And it's someone else's decision, you know? Uh, Richard, what about you? 
Well, I have a situation that happened to me once where I was working on a film and one of the supervisors asked me to prep something. So we had we had several editors on this project and I was asked to prep something and I handed it off to an editor and I had told them we need to make a selection because we need to pull this for a shot for a visual effect shot and nothing was nothing was selected. And so we had a meeting with the whole team and in the meeting this there was no selection made and they framed it in a way that made it look like I didn't hand it off and it was one of those situations where I started to get chewed out in the middle of this meeting and mm. the director was there and the three editors including the one I had prepped this for was there and I was looking at them trying to like give them a visual communication as to remember I gave that to you. I'm like, I'm, I, I, I didn't want to call them out in the meeting because I didn't think that would have been appropriate, nor did I really want to like be a defiant, like I did what was asked of me, you know, right. and, but in the moment I got chewed out pretty good in front of everyone and I took it and, uh, in the end I had two people ask me, did you get that note? And I wrote the note down while thinking to myself, I got the note and I got it two days ago when I did it. Mm. And, uh, you know, it's just kind of one of those things where, again, it's like, you know, would I have been, I wouldn't have been wrong if I would have said I did this for you, but the timing and the, um, the optics would have been terrible. So I took it. I was pretty upset. And then I addressed it with my editor. I said, Hey, Remember, I, I handed that off to you, and they got they got it done. But then I went I went around to the other people because there was people in that meeting that you know, as a matter of sort of standing up for myself, I was like, I just need you to know, this wasn't me being incompetent. I prepped this. I've discussed to everyone so everyone knows where it is and it's in action. But, you know, like there was a sense of like, you know, when the time is right, you know, I kind of needed to defend myself a little bit. But there's a time and a place. And when you're in the room, sometimes that's just not the time and place. Yeah, you don't want to make a spectacle of yourself or yeah. call attention to something else. Just leave it, let it go. And it, it's hard and it sucks. Yeah, it's hard though. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, I've had times where, uh, when I've said things and I wish I, I didn't, you know, similar to Erica, what you're saying, like something's kind of bug bugging you and you kind of want to raise up the flagpole, but in reality, it, you're, you're the only one that it's bothering, you know, or the adverse where, uh, you know, a colleague of like another visual effects editor I'm working with mentions like under me, uh, mentions something about a visual uh, detail in the visual effects shot that needs to be addressed and I'm like, maybe, maybe that's something we should note, but I'm not quite sure. Maybe it's just more work for us. Uh, and I mention it and mm -hmm. then I realize, you know what? I shouldn't have. That's just, they're beyond it. They're ready to move on from this shot. And sometimes adding, understanding when to mention, let's add more work and understanding that it's more work to be done to the shot versus just saying, you know what? Great note, but we're going to move on. And knowing to not raise it up the flagpole. Like, if it's a person above you, Erica, on that scenario, they have to ch choose, should they set, send it, that note up the, up the ladder or not? Yeah, exactly. There's something, there's something about discreetly pulling someone to the side and say, hey, I noticed this, someone brought this up, and 
I see their point. It could kind of be a thing, but I also recognize that we also just finaled that shot. So I get it if you don't want to unfinal it. All I'm saying is we saw this, so I'll leave the choice up to you, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, And speaking of those, like, maybe sometimes it could be a mistake of saying something you shouldn't have. Uh, how have you both owned up to your faults? Erica, how have you like owned up to it whenever you made that kind of like, oh crap, I shouldn't have said that? Well, I guess it's definitely, I, it can be really hard to admit that you've made a mistake. Um, but I've actually found that honestly, the, the sooner you admit to it and try to correct it or apologize or fix things, the better. Cause the longer you like let something go it's you know like i i've i feel like i've gotten much better over time at even if i say something and then immediately realize like oh i shouldn't have said that i will just say i'm sorry i shouldn't have said that (laughs) ignore Mm -hmm. me or you know whatever just like play it off as a joke or depending on the situation just kind of be like oh i'm sorry i made a mistake how can i fix this you know just really generally like the best the easiest thing for me is to just admit it as soon as possible and try to correct it completely you know i've had i've had experiences where when i was younger in the in my career trying to look good again that example of trying to look like you know what you're doing thus you make a mistake and you're afraid to admit it so you kind of like try to sneak around it and then mm-hmm. maybe they already understand they already know that you made the mistake but that you're not saying it and they kind of know but and it depends how close that relationship was. I had an ex, uh, a specific memory where it was somebody that we didn't really get to know each other very much. It was like just work and made a mistake. And I didn't really want to own up to it because I felt intimidated by the crew that I was working with, you know, so I didn't really want to own up to it. And then I regret to still I regret like I should have just owned that I you know, exported those quick times wrong or whatever it was that I did. I don't even remember anymore, but mm-hmm. I should have just owned up to it and said, yeah, I made a mistake. How can we fix it? Because the other times where I've made big mistakes and just right away I came up to everybody and said, hey, this happened. How do we let's let's put our heads together and fix this thing or say, hey, hang on for five minutes. Let me f- correct this or re-export this or fix this thing. Um, and that goes a long way to then say, hey, we're all in it together Rather than mm-hmm. I'm trying to to sneaky sneakily get get around my mistakes, which doesn't help anybody. Yeah, it makes you look better when you try to admit it and solve it as soon as possible than try to yeah. hide it. Yeah, and Rich, I'm sure I know you very well. You don't make any mistakes, so I think we'll never. Just skip you. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I, I can't contribute to this conversation. You know what's really funny though, uh, Richard, is that whenever you started with with us on Stormcrow. Uh, I found it uh, uh, really interesting that because I, you know, you're you're very smart and you know what you're doing. But I remember <laughs> when you were starting with us, you would say things like, oh, I'm really sorry. Um, I'm really slow and I'm still learning this. And I'm like, oh, you're fine. You're fine. Like, what are you talking about? You're great. Like, you're fine. I'm I just started to show this w- last week where I'm working with a new crew and I'm not the lead VFX editor. So I'm helping out another team. So I'm having to learn someone else's workflow. And I suddenly am thinking of you, you, Richard, when, uh, you know, specifically you were like, oh, I'm so slow. And I, I keep, you know, I'm really, I'm sorry. You're just being so sweet about it. You know what I mean? Because I know, I know you wanted to do a great job. And that's how I took it. And I find myself doing the same exact thing. And I'm like, 
Richard did the same thing to me. And that's like, <laughs> but it's because you respect the work and you respect the person you work with and you want to do a good job and you want to be quick and, and, and efficient, but it does take time to learn a new workflow. And, and, and especially like what I'm doing now is kind of joining mid show on a project. So it's like, give me a minute to wrap my head around it and then I'll be faster and then it'll be smooth. Yeah. I think there's something about getting in front of getting in front of it too. If you can catch it before anyone else catches it, like, you know, I, like I used to think if I can catch it before anyone else sees it, I can just pretend it didn't happen. And it's like, the fact of the matter is maybe you will, maybe you won't. I, mm -hmm. and, and there's something to be said about, Oh, that there was something, I don't know if you saw it, but it was a mistake. It was my fault. I fixed it, you know, but, uh, you know, there was one thing that happened to me recently, uh, and I was beyond embarrassed about it where I made an export and due to a series of errors, um, I had an export and they had the dreaded media offline in this export. And it was one of those things where I discovered it at the same time that myself and my editor discovered it. And it was one of those things where like, there's just no way around it. I was like, that was 100% my fault. I'm not entirely sure how that happened, but I will find out how it happened and I will make sure it never happens again. And, uh, you know, it took me a little while to discover there was uh, an issue with how footage was getting sunk and we eventually got to the bottom of it and it got corrected. But it is like one of those things is like, uh, you know, uh, there, there's some there are there is a distinct contingent of people in the industry who are unreasonable and will treat stuff like that like we are professionals and we have to do this and, and but most people are reasonable and have been there and my my thought has always been like if i'm mm -hmm. working with that person who's expecting perfection all the time i simply can't give that and if you gotta fire me you probably gotta fire me but most people yeah. you know it's just like if you can just understand i screwed up and i'm not going to pretend that i didn't i will endeavor to not the last thing i ever want to do is make my editor look bad you know i certainly don't want to make anyone I work with look bad and you go, I'll fix it, you know, and if that's good enough, then let's, we'll fix it. Yep. I had uh, an experience similar to you, Richard, with the media offline, but, but a little different. <laughs> I wish it was just media offline. Uh, <laughs> oh, I was no. working on a film where we had, uh, I was just, I was the only assistant editor on this small, low budget film. Um, and we did a screening is back in New York and we did a screening over at Technicolor and it was like a friends and family screening. And I don't know what in the world I was thinking prepping this cut. But for some reason, we were working in Final Cut Pro 7 as well at the time. Wow. And for some reason, this was early on, and I thought that the best way to export a QuickTime would be, of your cut would be to, like, collapse all your tracks in your export. Like, mm. collapse it's like, one track, like, flatten everything. I don't know why. Like, I think I, I was just trying to find, oh, that might be faster to export it like that rendering time or something. I don't know. Really stupid. But what I learned was that, oh, you can't just gang everything at each, each uh, track and, and, and collapse each one uh, on track five to track four, to track three, to track two, because what happens is there's one little gap of slug that gets grabbed and it overwrites picture. And so what had happened was we have a screening. Everything's fine. Everything's fine. Then it comes to the final scene 
where your hero is having a meltdown in the bathroom of his hotel and he's like a drug user and he's like just he just like gave himself another hit and he's like crying and and suddenly it cuts to black for like five seconds and everyone and, and the audience doesn't know anything and it comes mm -hmm. then the picture comes back up and the scene continues the audio is still there and so the the audience has no idea because they don't know anything but you know unless it's obvious you know it was it wasn't maybe it was a couple seconds but the funniest part though is our director right in the middle of the screening in that moment of black says i think he went he, he the, it comes up he said, it goes black he's oh shit <laughs> oh, and then no. and back to the thing and i was like blood rushed everywhere i'm like tingling oh, yeah. everywhere i'm like sweating <laughs> like all the sweat went from nothing to like all over my face as i'm in the back of that i'm like and I had to say, like, right afterward, I did the same thing. I'm like, that was me. That was me. I'm so sorry. Like, I don't know what happened, but I'll find out what happened. It will never happen again. So, you know, example of owning up to it. And in the end, again, it's like it wasn't the end of the... I mean, it's it's not... We shouldn't do that thing. That should not <laughs> happen. We should be checking mm -hmm. it and making sure it's all good before it goes out. That was a young, uh, naive mistake early in my career. But you know what? It's never happened again. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Because now I know, oh, make watch it down, check it, scrub through, make sure everything's good. Um, but yeah, you know, you own up to it right away. And then they're like, everyone, you know, knowing that the screening, everybody was happy with the, with the film. And so then it didn't really matter. You know what I mean? But if it was a, if, it, if the screening didn't go well, that wouldn't have helped. Um, so yeah, that's, you know, owning up to your mistakes as they happen is always a, is always good advice to go by. That leads to a good question about how to effectively communicate with your fellow worker when we're talking about owning up to our faults and uh, uh, you know admitting our wrongs. That leads to uh, how to communicate with your fellow worker. What so what like interpersonal communication skills do you find works best in the cutting room? Any like do you have any like go to things like like you like to make a joke or you like to um, talk about current events like or something? Is there anything that you kind of like? Is there any go tos that you guys have? When you're talking to your coworkers or maybe an editor or someone. Yeah, I think it's helpful to to have a good sense of humor and just to kind of just try to be I try to be a, a positive person and always look at, you know, even it, it's nice, I guess, for me, if I'm in a bad mood to go to work and see other people who are in a good mood. So I generally try to be kind of a positive influence and just raise the morale a little as much as I can, because, you know, I can get really busy and really intense sometimes working long hours and people get tired. And so I, I try to be relatively positive and, and I try to make jokes, especially because that can help ease tension when things get stressful. Yeah. I'm just picturing you, Erica, walking in the office because we obviously, the three of us ever worked <laughs> together in an office. We only yeah. worked virtually, right? So I'm now in an office. So I'm just picturing you, Erica, walking in every morning, like, you got coffee and donuts for everybody. Like, hey guys, good morning. How are you? <laughs> and everyone's like, Arr. and then you walk by, and it's like <laughs> the sunshine and the rainbows and the and the flowers come out. And you're like, oh, I feel so much better now. Thanks. <laughs> the yeah, bubbly I mean, personality, which is what you what have, which for. is great. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but not always donuts every day, but I know. sometimes <laughs> we just had don't we just had donuts yesterday for Halloween and it was like all like two giant boxes of Randy's donuts and I'm like we did oh, not nice. need this many donuts. There's not that many people in this office. But it's Randy's. Yeah. It was good. I had one that had bacon and like maple mm. bacon on top of a donut. I'm eating it I'm like there's bacon on this. 
I'm mm. sensing bacon. It was a surprise, but it was delicious. <laughs> but you you know tying tying that all back to lunch though, it's funny as far as communication goes. I find lunch is one of those valuable times where you kind of get a chance to 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 learn about the person behind you know the persona, and especially if you're working with an editor who has a reputation, uh, and I mean that in the most positive way. But for example, you know you've worked with an editor who's worked on big films, Oscar nominated films, you know, these kind of legendary editors. Um, it's always interesting to learn the person behind them. Cause I always find if I would have, me if I would meet these people at like, you know, at, at an event, I would be, you know, like, Oh, I'm, I'm so happy to meet you. And I really love your work. But then you kind of go, Oh, you're a funny person with kind of a twisted sense of humor. But also I find then when you kind of, you know, my Achilles heel is sports. I know nothing about sports. So if my <laughs> editor likes to talk about sports, I I have nothing. But uh, I remember one of my editors, um, I mean, we just had very similar senses of humor. We laughed at, you know, very macabre, dark things. And so I find those are the kind of the nuggets you save because th that's what's really valuable. Like when you get called into the room and the avid crashes and you're trying to kind of smooth the waters and keep everyone positive while you're just like, oh, let me let me fix this thing. And they were in the middle of a cut. And now they're all kind of pissy, you know, like, uh, oh, what was that thing that made them laugh? Maybe I can, you know, you just like any all of that stuff is like really valuable because there there is something to, you know, you're trying to keep you're trying to keep the the flow moving, you know. Yeah, I have a friend who's really good at that when it comes to just he's really good at chit-chat and telling stories. And he's good in that crisis mode. So, if something like that happens, he could probably, you know, lighten the mood by mentioning something else, which mm -hmm. is which is very effective for sure. Yeah. Um yeah, yeah. I was just going to say, I remember now that I had a, a example of, you know, back in New York, I would work at 1619 and they had uh, Friday on Fridays, they brought bring around the, the drink cart at five o'clock. And mm. they had that, you know, to get like the camaraderie between all the different cutting rooms, because you will you'll, you'll be working at like a an edit, an edits, uh, like an edit suite where uh, you'll have many different shows cutting at the same time. And mm -hmm. so they'll have like the drink cart go around or just have drinks come out at the kitchen. So everyone come, pops out of their office, kind of has a little mixer just to get to know everybody. And I remember uh, it was one of those, I think, where I met the editor, uh, Steve Rosenblum, from who cut Braveheart, among many other things. And just being able to just chit chat over a beer about, you know, him telling me about what it was like cutting Braveheart and cutting all those scenes, action scenes uh, back in the 90s. I'm like, this is cool. And I was young and just kind of starting out and hearing these, the tales of other editors working on, you know, working on their past projects or just what they're like as a person, you know, because in the end, it's like, we're all just people. And you can put people like you said, put them up, maybe put them on a pedestal, like, oh, you're this amazing person who did all these things. And then you like, oh, but you, you're kind of twisted. <laughs> you have a weird sense of humor, but that's mm -hmm. awesome. Or you realize they love sports. I'm like, I don't know anything about sports. You know, I've certainly had that. I'm like, they love baseball. I don't have anything to talk about with baseball at all, you know? Um, and then you feel, you could feel like, oh, I feel left out or I feel excluded because I don't have, I'm not able to talk about that thing. But it's kind of finding what is the thing that you have in common to bring those things up again. And it's okay that you don't have everything in common. I've had that where I feel like, oh, I, I should, especially in the, in the lunchroom, getting back to the lunch, where mm -hmm. you're getting to know everybody, 
and it works one day it's great the next day i feel like i have nothing to contribute to this conversation and i feel like everyone's talking about something that i cannot relate to and you feel like you have to immediately make best friends with people um, because you're starting a new job with all these new people knowing that you have to like work together really well you want to get there really quick but the reality is like you will have good days where you have a, it's going to be a great day talking about a lot of a lot of things and then another day it's like it's just kind of work everyone's tired and they're not going to be you may not have anything to contribute um and that's okay especially for people starting out and they're the they're young and they are just trying to get to know everybody when everybody has all this experience and everybody knows everybody else but you don't know anyone and you don't have many contacts and you are uh, I just want to look I want to fit in and all that stuff and it's okay because you'll get there and it will be there will be points when you will have something in common with somebody else and then it's going to be it's going to be great and you know that will just continue on from there but well, I, do, I do instances. I do love oh, sorry. Yeah. go no go ahead well, I was just going to say in those instances too, like even if you don't necessarily have something to contribute to the lunch conversation, just showing up and just like being generally friendly, like eventually you'll start to join the group, you know, like it's easy to be like, oh, I don't have anything in common with anyone. So I'm just going to eat at my desk or whatever. And, but then you never are going to get to know anybody. That's never a good idea. You know, yeah, I've had no. I've had jobs where, you know, everyone's meeting at at lunch except for one or two people. And you're like, why do they never come out? You know, like mm -hmm. I know that they're working, but like everyone is out. Everyone else is here, you know, or and sometimes it sets the tone for the cutting cutting room. If your editor mm -hmm. says or your if your producer says your post producer is like, nope, we're stopping for lunch. Everyone is now that's what we're doing. But if it's like. Uh, only the assistants are stopping for lunch, but your editor is still working through lunch every single day. It's like, so if you're working and you need me, does that mean I have to stop eating lunch? And sometimes that's been the case. Like, well, mm -hmm. that doesn't feel great because now I don't get to know you and other people don't get to know you as a person. You're just a worker. You know, it's just work, work, work. And mm -hmm. that, oh, that sets a weird tone in the cutting room for me when I've had those experiences. Yeah. Well, it, 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 it's, it's your time to be human, you know? And the fact of the matter is, kind of like you talked about earlier, Steve, is some people love to continue to talk about work, whether it's the project you're currently working on. And maybe you have something fun to say about the project you're working on. Or maybe you are just kind of still sort of uh, working in the sense that you're talking about the scene you're working with. And even that can be enjoyable too. And some people, it, you know, also going back to reading the room, some people like, I can talk about a movie that's playing in theaters right now. I can talk about a TV show. Let's just not talk about work for a half hour. And it's yeah. always like there is something about that. But 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 yeah, just be, being with your team and you know and just you know ha having laughs. You know, uh, I mean that's always it, it's it, and and you know c kind of to your point, Erica too is like you know when you don't necessarily have something to say, but you do become a part of that group. You know, like sometimes there's something to be said about you know like. Oh, here's the person we can kind of josh them because we're going to make a joke that they're gonna they're not gonna like, and we can like, yeah, but there but there's something like even even if you're the the butt of the joke at times, sometimes it's like, yeah, but you know, you're part of the crew. You're you know, yeah. it's like a, we we tease you because we like you, you know, and there there is the, there is something very magical about that. It's that rite of passage a little bit, you know, and also that it's okay if you have nothing to say. I had lunch mm -hmm. the other day because again, I'm I just got back. I'm in the office as of last week on a new show, and we're having lunch together, and it's great. 
you know, coming from working from home where you're just going to eat whatever yeah. you want or whatever. Mm -hmm. And everyone's sitting down together and you're taking a half an hour to just chit chat. And one day, you know, noticing the one day, you know what? It's okay if I don't have anything to say. I don't have to contribute. And especially when I see other editors who are quiet, like, it's kind of like wait for the right time to say the right thing rather than talking too mm -hmm. much. You know, just because you have a mouth doesn't mean you have to share your opinion. You know, um, especially if you want to, you know, get on the on the right good side of people, you know, and that's the part of that, like, interpersonal skills, you know, wanting to be agreeable, likable, um, people like to be around you. But if you're always just always giving your opinion, eh, that's not so great, especially if people aren't agreeing with you, you know. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So that's well, something. Like, it's, okay, it's okay not to say something. Like 50% of a conversation is listening, right? Yeah. <laughs> I guess so. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so that thing is that's that's all good good advice I think for especially for young people when they're getting into this and who may feel uncomfortable and want to just stay in their office because some people are just going to do that. They're just mm -hmm. going to work and do their own thing. But if you're looking to get to know people, make sure you have lunch with everyone else um and get to know people. I think that's the most important thing we could do. It makes your day go a yeah. lot easier and you know like also like over time you know how you chip away with people like there's there's also nothing wrong with like being being a big fan of the people you're working with like the biggest example i always think of is you know having been lucky enough to have been a part of bill and ted face the music uh and that was directed and uh, directed by dean pariseau and edited by don zimmerman the same team who directed and edited galaxy quest which was just a staple of my childhood so i mean there was something about getting to know them over a certain amount of time to like uh hey you know like oh man i love that film like I'm, I'm so interested and you know they're telling me all these stories about like oh that's so cool all these like, insider you yeah. know things and there's there's something like there is you know because when you're when you're a random fan person on the street you know it's like you know people will generally be pretty nice but it, there's 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 something exciting about that too you know like you, you've gotten an inside track and you know like and and again some people don't want to talk about themselves and some people will talk about themselves you know for days and that's kind of also kind of cool too because there's some pretty there's some great stories to be heard you know mm -hmm. definitely mm -hmm. uh so do you find any uh, taboo uh topics that you wouldn't discuss at work or wouldn't discuss while eating i mean I politics like, is always dangerous yeah mm -hmm. right because you never really know who, I mean, a lot of times in this industry, people do have a lot of similar views, but not always. So don't always assume that people agree, have the same viewpoints as you. Um, I always say st stick to, hey, well, what's a good movie you saw recently? Or I had a visual effects uh, supervisor once. Every time we had a new person that came onto the show, he would say, okay, what's your top three Desert Island movies? And that was a great way to like kind of get to know someone. And mm -hmm. I thought that was always great. And I tried it once with someone new on the same show. And whenever I said it, it sounded dumb. But when he said it, it sounded great. It was like, oh, yeah, it's a great topic. And everyone starts to get into some conversation. It's like having that, you know, the dice that gives you a, a topic of conversation or something. But I think, you know, moments like that is, is, is pretty fun. Um, okay, so we're wrapping it up here. I want to know what's your what's your go to lunch that you would order? And what's the one thing that you never would eat at, at work? Erica, you first. My go-to lunch. Um, and they're paying, by the way. Oh, 
Okay. There's no limit on this lunch. Oh, uh, you know, there's not maybe, the like fifth. Are you doing the fifteen dollar limit, or can I? Yeah, let's, can let's I have save. a Game of Thrones lunch? <laughs> oh, what's a, what's a Game oh. of Thrones lunch? <laughs> Well, no, this isn't true. We we did have sugar fish once in a while, not oh, every time. Nice. But that that nice. would be my lunch if there's no limit. Nice. Uh, Fifteen dollar price limit. Hmm. It's been so long since I've had lunch in an office that now I have to like remember what my go-to lunch was. I yeah. I guess I should go with Mendo, which I don't think they even have the sandwich anymore. The, the study of heat. I, I heard they got I rid of it. That. It's gone. But that one is, that's a good one. Okay. So I'm going to go yeah. with that. Great. Richard, what's your go-to? Godmother Bay cities. Oh, is that the, uh, oh. the... Well, that's a good one too. Nice. Nice. Is... Oh, I never I work s- over there. I, Ooh, I, go, I go simple. Just like, give me, give me, I try to stick with a nice salad cause I try to be healthy. We just had sweet green today, so I went with my guacamole greens. So I always get that. But um, you know what I tried to not eat, and I've learned my lesson the hard way. We go to we go Italian, and I and I when I was young, I'm like, oh, I get the pasta, I get this big pasta meal. Oh, oh yeah. You you're a, you're asleep <laughs> by like three yeah. o'clock. You do not <laughs> want to do anything else. That's like the one thing I will never get pasta anymore um, at work for sure. Um, we yeah. had one or job like a... where on Mordecai. We, our, our director, uh, David Cap, great guy. He would order, uh, like family style, um, uh, Chinese food all the time. And we'd have like this whole spread for everybody. And it was always a great, cause everybody took home leftovers. <laughs> but hey. Richard, what's the one thing you wouldn't eat? The one thing I wouldn't eat. Uh, what is the one thing? I'm pretty, I'm pretty open food wise. I think, I think, I think it would make me nervous. It's like if you're warming up your own food in the office, yeah, I think that the, the rule is no fish, you know? <laughs> Very true. Very true. You know, if, if you get, if you get like the, the fish curry from Trader Joe's, you know, which is delicious by the way. Yeah. But if you do that in the, in the office uh, microwave, you're probably in trouble. Definitely. <laughs> you know, it's funny. I have a friend who is a big foodie. I realized like we probably should have had on uh, a foodie for this episode now that I realize it. Yeah. Uh, you know, because um, you mentioned specific locations for lunch. I'm like, oh, my buddy Alec would know exactly the best <laughs> spot for this. If you're working at Fox, you go here. If you're working at Paramount, you go there. And I'm just like, whatever. I don't like to think about it too much. But um, <laughs> guys, this has been great being able to talk about this little form, this little topic of what it's like working in in post every day with your coworkers when we were working in the office. You guys will eventually again. Maybe, maybe not. Who knows? But <laughs> the idea, because uh, a hybrid, that's all I meant. But uh, it's great to kind of get to get to know that those things are important. Getting to know your coworkers, chatting, the chit chat, the uh, you know that kind of that kind of talk is really important when you're breaking bread over a meal with your coworkers. Always good. So, thanks for listening to us again, Yammeron, about lunch today, and uh, we'll see you guys next time on our next episode of the Render Bar. Thanks so much. Bye.